Welcome to Christian Medical and Dental Association's Chapel. We trust this message will encourage your walk with the Lord. Have you ever thought about what Alexander the Great was marked by? Maybe it was fame, maybe it was power, maybe it was control. Or maybe, have you ever thought about what Michael Jordan was marked by? Maybe his, the, him playing basketball, his greatness. Maybe it's his shoe, the legacy that lived upon his basketball career. What Those things that he's marked by. But have you ever thought about what you should be marked by? As considering everyone in here is a Christian, what should you be marked by? I think the obvious answer on the screen you see is marked by joy, but what does that look like? And so if you have a Bible or if you have a phone, if you want to turn to Philippians 1, we're going to be starting in verse 1 together. And if not, it'll be on the screen as well. So Philippians 1, starting in verse 1, it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. It's the word of the Lord. So, looking, looking through, there's some background that's needed when we're talking through Philippians, especially at the very beginning of the chapter. Uh, lucky for me, with my last name being Bartlett, so I go first tomorrow morning, so I get the very beginning, which is kind of nerve-wracking, but I also get it out of the way as well, which is kind of nice. But we need to understand some of the, the circumstances that surround this time of Paul's life, the circumstances that surround uh, the, the city of Philippi. But before we do, I want you to know the, the central idea of the text that we just read is that Paul had joy in remembering their partnership in the gospel and how Christ is working in them to completion. And so a little bit of background within Philippians. So as we read in verse 1, it's written by Paul, and Timothy's there as well. He's, he's going alongside Paul. It's written while Paul is in prison. Most likely it's a Roman prison during this time. Most uh, scholars believe it was written around 60 to 62 A.D. This, this was uh, hard. It was a serious time in Paul's life. If you've read Philippians before, you know that it continues on. Paul's looking at a trial, whether he might live or whether he might die. That's kind of what he's looking at during this, during this time. He's writing to a people, as it says in verse 1, to all the saints in Christ who are at Philippi. So he's writing to a group of people that he knows. If you've read in Acts, these are people that he's met uh, that include a girl named Lydia, a seller of purple that we'll talk about a little bit later. And so this, this is kind of the context a little bit behind uh, who Paul's talking to. But why is he sending this letter out? 
What's the purpose behind it? I think, firstly, these people, they, they care for Paul. They know Paul's in prison. They sent one of his own to Paul to check in on him. And not only do they care, but they, they've been with Paul. They've, they've continued to support Paul in his financial burdens during times of persecution. They've been there with Paul through it all. And so Paul's writing to them, letting them know that he's okay, letting, to, letting them know that whether he lives or whether he dies, the kingdom of God is advanced. He's letting them know not to be worried, for Christ will be glorified through any outcome that happens in Paul's life. And so that's, that's one of the main reasons Paul's writing this letter, because he cares for these people, and these people care for Paul. He's also writing, writing it to remind them to be steadfast, to be united in Christ. If you continue reading through this letter, it's a reminder to them. Be steadfast. Be united in Christ, for false teachers will come. And you see this through all of Paul's letters. False teachers are coming, so you need to be united. You need to be in steadfastness. But what are the circumstances that surround Paul. We've said this a little bit before, but there's persecution going on during this time. There's persecution of people dying for their faith, persecution from the government of of people being killed for it. And Paul's experiencing this firsthand. He's not put in prison um, because of something crazy he did, but, but the belief that he's proclaimed to people. And so Paul's facing these trials, these tribulations. He, he, he sees what's going on. And we might not be experiencing that in totality of today of, in the United States of experiencing these hard persecutions, but there are places in the world, and we see it on the news and everything that's going on, the persecution, especially with, with Christians. But we, we still, in America, we face trials. We, we face tribulations. We face hardship. And so I want that to be a little bit of a reminder in the back of your head when we talk through this, that you might not be in prison right now because of your faith, but there are times in your life that are hard, that you're facing trials, that you're not sure what to do. And so even in those, we see to be marked by joy in that. And so Paul's opening letter we, is he makes it clear that he cares for his people, he loves these people, and that when he's reminded, he's marked by joy. And we're going to see that a little bit more. So we talked about that. The central idea of the text is Paul had joy in remembering their partnership in the gospel and how Christ was working in them to completion. So our big truth, the big idea, uh, is we are called to be joyful. And if you have the Bible, we'll continue reading in verse 3, where it says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. Paul, when he thinks of these people, he's reminded of them and the, the joy that comes along when he's remembering them. He prays with joy. And he's reminded of these people of Lydia and the jailer. He's reminded with joy. And so, even though the circumstances that Paul is in that's surrounding his life, 
He's marked by joy. And whether he lives or dies, he has joy in his prayer. And I want you to think an example. I'm not sure if you've been around a lot of people that's been on death row or not. I've not. But I, I would assume that it's a pretty miserable place. Uh, there's not a lot of joy going on there. But that's, that's kind of where Paul is standing at. He's on trial whether or not he'll live or die. He, he might be put to death. And the people around him, maybe we would even think that a person that's on death row that would have be marked by joy, the, the kind of joy that's kind of that's unexplainable. We're kind of wondering to ourselves, you know, that's not, that's not typical. It's, that's not the norm. I'm sure the guards are kind of thinking the same thing when they see Paul in prison and he's writing this letter and, he, and there's a smile across his face for he remembers who he's writing to. And it's seeing Paul conveyed by complete and utter joy that I think will ask the question of where does this man find his joy in? For Christians, for us, for followers of Christ, we are called to be marked by joy, but that joy can only be found in Jesus. The world should see an inexpressible, unexplainable, doubtless joy in times of abundance and in times of hardship. And I think we get mixed up a little bit about the difference between happiness versus joy. Because I think we automatically assume that we just need to be happy all the time. But I think, I think that's t- two totally different things. Because happiness is an emotion that we have that, is, that expresses a momentary fleeting excitement that the world has to offer. It's not always in bad things, but it's never continuous. It's never ever, it's not lasting. It's not going to carry on from this world. Joy is a state of attitude that is found in the only one who creates, the one who sustains, the one who brings forth our joy in him, who's Christ Jesus. We can't have joy outside of the Holy Spirit that, that brings joy within us. Therefore, as brothers and sisters, with the dwelling of the Spirit within us, we are called to be joyful in times of hardship, in times of struggle, in times of abundance in your life. And I think Paul answers the question of what does it look like to live a life of joy, especially in hardship. Paul, Paul has gone through the trials, he's gone through the tribulations, he's been persecuted in his life. I think Paul's a great example of this when we look to what does it look like to live a life of joy. It's not that Paul had a lot, but he had joy that was unmeasurable. So no matter what the circumstances in our life may be, whether we're abounding in blessings 
or we're facing hardship through sickness, through death, financial struggle, and maybe even the good times of having a first kid. A lot of you are having grandkids, uh, graduating from school, being a pastor, getting married, even through the good, even through the bad times, whatever it might be, we don't find our joy in those things. We, they, they might bring happiness, they might bring sadness, those, those are emotions, but we don't find joy in those things. We can only find our joy in Christ Jesus. Although we don't find our joy in those things, our joy in Christ can be expressed through those things, and it also can't be. So whether or not the, the attitude of what you're walking through, what you're dealing with, what's going on, the excitement of tomorrow may bring, the attitude that you have of having joy in Christ can be expressed through those things. And you see that in Paul's life through his circumstances. But how are we, are we to be reminded of that joy? We have joy in Christ, right? But how are we to be continually reminded of that joy that we have in Christ? And we continue reading. We read what Paul's saying. Because he goes on to say, if you have your Bible, starting in verse 4, it says, Always, in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul had joy in his prayer because of their partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, Paul is reminded that these brothers and sisters that he's writing to believe and promote the same gospel that he may die for and that he will die for. But what does it mean, partnership, when he's talking about that in verse 5? Because of their partnership, what does that, what does that mean? It, in, in a little translation, it means fellowship, it means sharing, but it means in an active sense. So it's not a one-time partnership, one-time agreement, one-time confession, but it's an active sense of sharing, of fellowshipping. And so he's talking about their active support and fellowship with Paul and his ministry. And Paul mentions that in chapter 4 and verse 5, that no other church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except, except you only. Not only have they supported Paul uh, during the beginning, but they supported him when everybody else had f- fleed, when everybody else had stopped. They continued supporting Paul in his hardship. During time of abundance, they've continued to support him. And it says even to this day when he was writing that they're sending a person because they care so much about Paul that they wanted to check in to see how he was doing. And so their partnership is a reminder to Paul of his joy when he prays for them. It's a constant theme throughout this letter that Paul has joy in Christ and he is reminded of that joy when he thinks about the people in Philippi. He assures them that this imprisonment will not affect 
nor rob him of his joy that he has in Christ. For his joy is, is seen and expressed through the fellowship that he has with these people. For this is where we are to find our joy, where we see and express our joy, where we see and are reminded of our joy that we have in our fellowship and union with others. When we come together as, as this group, as a local church, your assembled body of believers, when we see those around us that are struggling, are praising, are abounding in grace, when we see those and we're reminded of their partnership and fellowship and active fellowship with us, in the same joy that we have, we should be reminded of that joy. And that should bring us and point us back to Christ, reminded who we have our joy set in. And it also should be a reminder for them as well of where they have their joy set in. And so remember, our joy is not an emotion dictated by our circumstances around us, for it's found in our hope in Christ and in his promises. For we can be reminded of that joy when we see those around us sharing in partnership of that gospel that we declare and promote. Paul shares with us another way of how we see and we're reminded of that joy we have in Christ. And again, we continue reading, and it says, starting in verse 5 again, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. For our third point that you see on the screen is Christ working in us should bring us joy. This is Paul's second reason that he sees. Paul has joy in his prayer because he's reminded that God began a good work in their lives. And that, and that God will continue working in their lives until he comes back or they go to be with him. Paul's confident in that. So what, what does this mean that Christ is working in them in the Philippians church? What does that mean? Because we talked about earlier about this woman named Lydia and how in Acts 16, when Paul's traveling through to Philippi, and he runs into this woman that's selling goods that are purple uh, for royalty, and Paul's sharing the news. He has joy in him that's overflowing, and so he's sharing the good news of the gospel. And it says that Lydia's heart was opened to that, that her response to that was complete and utter submission to the Lord. And through that, she was baptized, as well as her household was baptized. Her influence of where she at, where she was at, seen and heard the good news. And God was working in Lydia's life long before Paul ever showed up and continued working in her life even after Paul left. 
It's not that Paul was doing the work in her life, but that Christ was doing the work in her life. And it's only through Christ that he's doing the work in our lives and those people around us that have the Holy Spirit. And this brings joy to Paul when he's reminded of this, of the faithfulness of Christ working in the life of those around him, working in his life. He's reminded of that, and that brings him joy knowing that because of who Christ is, for he is God, his promises of bringing us to completion and sanctification, that that brings him joy in that. Hopefully, you can look back in your life, maybe the, the lives of others around you, how Christ has been working in your life, how maybe it's the people that you've prayed for, that's come to know Christ, that you've discipled. Maybe you've seen how Christ is working in your life. And maybe for some of us, we struggle with that, of thinking, you know, wh- where is God shaping me? Where, where is God growing me? How is Christ working in my life? And I think a lot of times we get too focused on, and narrowed in that we're not looking back far enough. The Lord works in, in great ways, but he works, and he's a patient God. He's working in you from years. It's not that you're going to change overnight and have all the fruits of the Spirit, but he's working in you over years. He's working in the people around you for years. Look back five years ago of where you were. Look back 15, 20, some of you maybe... 45, 50, I don't know. Uh, I can't look back that far. I'm not that old. But um, some of you have the ability to. <laughs> Grace be to God by that. Um, I think about uh, a kid I had in ministry about 10 years ago that from middle school, early middle school to high school to college, this kid was a troublemaker. Um, <laughs> He, he did not know the Lord, even though he thought he did. And I was pouring into this kid's life week after week, wanting to him to see and know the Lord. And he, he just, he never got it. It just, it never clicked with him. And eventually, he continued coming on Sunday mornings with his parents, because his parents would drag him to church and that. But it wasn't about a couple months ago and I wasn't even present for this, that the Lord started working in his life, and he was actually seeing that. The, word, the Lord was working in his life the whole time, whether he knew it or not, but he started seeing that. And eventually, a couple months ago, he, he confessed that the Lord, that God was Lord of his life. And I, I rejoice in that, remembering those many years of conversation and thinking to myself, this is so pointless, he's not going to get this, to how the Lord was continually working in his life uh, for, his, for, for God's glory. And so, why does this bring joy in our life? Why does it bring joy in Paul's life? Have you thought about that? Why, like, Paul's saying these things, that he's reminded of them in his prayer. And 
I think this is a beautiful verse in verse 7. It says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you all are partakers with me of grace. Both for you all are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. This is my, uh, I got a little, I knew I was going to go over today. Uh, I have a little reminder set of how long I was supposed to go. But we, seeing that Paul holds them in, their, in his heart, he, is, he truly cares for them. Paul knows it's right to feel this way because of his love for them, the joy that it brings to him. In the same way, you see on the screen, we are called to, be, to hold others in our heart. We should care for those in our church. We should care for them deeply. We should hold them in our heart. We should know in being continual fellowship with them, if we're in called to be in partners in the gospel with them, we should know when they're struggling. We should know when they're hurting. We should know when we see the joy of Christ working in them, being expressed out through the circumstances around them in life. We should know that because we hold them in our heart. We want to see and help them grow. As, as it says that Christ is working in them. We want that. We should, we should care for them deeply in that. And so, I think, I think a lot of times we get distracted about what we want, our selfish needs. Um, we get distracted about our desires and, and forget about those around us. I think, I think we need to, in the same way, have our eyes open to those around us that we should be putting, having them in our heart but also pointing them back to Christ to find their joy in Him and not the things around, around them that the earth gives or the happiness that we think is our joy in those things around us. And so, final, final point, Christians should have joy in remembering others' partnership in the gospel and how Christ is working in them to completion. We should be marked by joy because of what we have in Jesus. We should be reminded of that joy through their partnership in the gospel, how Christ is working in them. And the question we should be asking ourselves is, are you being reminded of the joy that you have in Christ through the church, through his word, through remembering how Christ is working in you, to his faithfulness, to his promises? Are you seeing how Christ is working in others? Are you in fellowship with them? Are you holding them in your heart? Are we too focused on our selfish needs and wants? Rather than getting into the messy lives of others, we cast it upon someone else and we make the excuse that we don't have time or we're too busy. 
rather than not meeting someone one-on-one to disciple them, for them to know the joy that you have in Christ, we, we, should, ask, we should be asking ourselves that. How can we find and help others find their joy in Christ if we're not in their lives? Paul's reminded of these people because he was with them. He was discipling them. He cared for them. He held them in their heart. How, do we, how are we to do the same thing if we're not in the lives of others, especially in our local church, especially where we're called to equip and support one another? I think this is something that we can wrestle with this weekend is when you walk into the church service and you sit in the same seat that you always do on Sunday morning, the same pew, and only talk to the few people that uh, we come in contact with, do we know what's going on in their life? Do we know how we can help them find the joy that we have or be reminded of that joy? How are we doing that actively? Because a partnership in the gospel is not stagnant, but it's active. It's an active fellowship with one another. And so we are called as Christians to have complete joy in Christ. Knowing through his death and resurrection that we can have joy together, joy together as partakers of the gospel. We can celebrate in that. We can have full confidence that Christ is working in us, that when when he comes back, it'll be until completion, that you can see from the past years how Christ is working in you and others. And I hope and pray that you have joy in that, and you're marked by that joy through all the circumstances that may be going on in your life. And so with that, I'm going to close us in prayer. Dear Father, I just thank you for this time that we have together. Just thank you for the for your word. I thank you for Philippians, God. I thank you for Paul writing that letter. Uh, I pray that we are people that are marked by joy. I pray that we see that and and that's expressed uh, through the circumstances in our life. I pray uh, that others see that joy in us that the Holy Spirit is is working in. I pray that you continue working in our lives, God. I pray that we're reminded of your work in others around us. We have joy in that. I pray that we hold others in our heart because we care for them. We love them deeply as you've loved us, God. I pray we're challenged this morning through the circumstances in our life that we are marked by joy. I pray for this weekend that we help one another, that we're fellowshipping and the gospel with, that they see that joy. We, we see the joy that's in their life from you, God. Pray for that. I pray that we glorify you through everything that we do and say. In Jesus' name, amen.